Welcome to the Lexington Public Library's Tales from the Kentucky Room podcast, where we discuss everything Lexington and Fayette County history. I'm Miriam, and in each episode of this podcast, we will feature a guest that will share a piece of local history. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Early in 2024, the Lexington Public Library will be opening a brand new location on the corner of Versailles Road and Village Drive. Residents of this neighborhood will know the location very well, as it was the site of the Village Branch from its opening in 2004 until it was closed in June of 2022. The building was demolished in the summer of 2022 in order to make way for the upgraded facility which will be called the Marksbury Family Branch. In 2018, the library had embarked on a master facilities plan, reaching out to the community for their input on how the library could better meet the needs of the Lexington community. By far, the need for a much bigger location and expanded services at the Village Branch was top priority. With the generous donation from the Marksbury Family Foundation, that dream will come to fruition. While the new beautiful building will allow us to improve services, many in the community are feeling nostalgic about the little library that could. This is also true for the staff that worked so hard to serve the Cardinal Valley community. So today, we invited two people that were instrumental in the success of the Village Branch. Many children in the community that were quote-unquote village kids know Betty Abnoshani as just Miss Betty, the first manager of the Village Branch, who opened the first bilingual branch in Lexington that served the predominantly Hispanic and Latino community. We also have with us Jackie Arakaki, library associate who has been with the library since 2006. Her familiar face and unmatched drive to serve the community made her an integral part of the Village family. I'm grateful to introduce Betty and Jackie. Welcome to the podcast, Betty and Jackie. Thank you so much for joining us today on Tales from the Kentucky Room. Betty, it's been a while since (laughs) since you've worked for for the library. Thank you for having us here. (laughs) Sure. So I wanted to uh, take us back to when you started in librarianship and how you, you came down that road. Oh, Give wow. us a little bit of background. <laughs> okay, it goes, it goes way back. <laughs> well, how I got, got to be a librarian, um, my mother was a public librarian, and so I grew up around libraries. Um, I used to help, I used to do her displays and all kinds of stuff, shell for her. And um, so when um, my undergraduate degree was in English and Spanish literature, I double majored. So, of course, I loved books. I loved being around them. And I uh, came time to do decide on what I was going to do after a major in English and Spanish that you can't do anything with. And uh, I thought, oh, I'll go to library school. And so I did. Um, I went to the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. And so this is way back in 1974. And uh, so I go back a long way. I graduated with my uh, master's in library and information science in 76. And right away, I began working in the Miami-Dade Public Library in uh, what what at that time was a one-of-its-kind, also totally Spanish oh. branch. It was called the Hispanic Library. <laughs> so I was there, but then I got married. We moved to Iran. I worked 
worked in a library in Iran. I came back from Iran. I long story short, yes, worked in another <laughs> library. So I've done a little bit of everything: academic, special, public. Uh, but most of my life and my heart is in the public life. Yeah. So somehow, some way, you made your way to Lexington, Kentucky. That's right. <laughs> and the Lexington Public Library That's wanted right. to open up a bilingual library, um, Spanish and English, and. They decided to hire the wonderful Betty Admashani. <laughs> Tell us how that came about. Well, I was at that time, um, I was working in Oregon at a public library, and uh, I was the uh, branch services coordinator. My husband had just accepted a job in Richmond, Kentucky. And so I began looking for jobs here and applied and pulled. You know, all of a sudden, there's this perfect position that had just <laughs> it's opened. It's funny how these <laughs> things work, isn't it? Amazing. And I applied. I applied also at uh, Lexmark, but chose Village. It just, it was where my heart was. So uh, everything kind of had already been, by the time I was hired, I, I was interviewed in May of 2004. I began, my first day of work was June 2004. And the building uh, was being finished. You know, it was a re refurbished storefront type that used to be an auto parts store before. So that was underway. So I worked out of the what is now the foundation office. <laughs> That's where we had a desk and kind of decided what are we going to do? What do we need? Began interviewing and hiring. And we began in September. That's when the doors opened. Uh, September of 2004. So, so it was a very a busy from June to September mm -hmm. because, it, like I said, in June, walls were still going up. Yeah. Floor, you know, everything was being cleaned up. And we had a collection, a very small collection to move in. But there was shelving. There was everything had to be done. And there was a, a space that <laughs> really wasn't meant to be a library. Yeah. Yeah, it was a storefront, of course, on the corner of Village Drive and right. And the Versus location Road. was perfect. Yeah, location, and I'm so glad that they kept the same location. Twenty years later, uh, we oh, they considered so many places before then, and and it really is uh, the heart of of the community. Again, uh, when we opened, we weren't sure what to expect. No, we did a lot of. Selling, outreach, <laughs> marketing, marketing, outreach yes. before the opening. But l let me go back a little bit. Before I was hired to have a bookmobile, Lexington Public Library had a, a bookmobile. And uh, the bookmobile that no longer have, as times have changed, used to travel to the areas where there were pockets of population mm -hmm. that didn't get library service either because of distance uh, their poor areas, perhaps they didn't have the transportation. So they would go to these community pockets around Fayette County. And one of the areas they went to was Cardinal Valley. They had a stop there that had it, I think, for many, you know, several years. But the staff at that time, so I would say it's about two, the year 2000, uh, when the very large migration of many, many Mexican immigrants were coming in, noticed a great deal of families who were coming to the bookmobile and couldn't get enough books, were overwhelmed to the fact that their children could actually hold books in their hands, that, and they would show up faithfully 
And it would grow every week when that bookmobile came. So, you know, they were super excited. They went back, told the administration, wow, this is like out of control. This is, we can't have enough. So I suppose, like I said, I wasn't around then. They began thinking, well, what can we do? You know, and they found this little storefront. Yeah. There was definitely a need. My family immigrated here in 1986, and we lived in a Cardinal Valley. Oh, everybody starts in Cardinal Valley. Our ESL tutor, my father hired somebody to, just a supplemental other than what we were learning in school. We would meet in the Southland location at the time, which is, I guess now is Beaumont. Yes. But yeah, it was, a, we had to drive quite a ways, mm-hmm. you know, to, yes. to and get. And if you didn't have a yeah. transportation. So there and was the no library is, access in And that most migrants ended up in the Cardinal Valley area, number one, rents are cheaper in that side of town. Exactly. Basically, that was the number one reason. And of course, once you have a few families there and you're new to the area, you look for people like you. So it just grew and, you know, and, uh, oh, a cousin, an aunt, uh, the cousin of a third aunt, uh, cousin. <laughs> uh, so they, they kind of congregated there. And it was it, it, that area, 2004, was super busy. So anyway, that's how... Somehow, our library director at that time, it was Kathleen Emhoff, sold it to the lot board, <laughs> and they came up with this idea to open this. And, and, and truly, I felt it was kind of an experiment, but you may not want to say this. <laughs> no, it was an experiment because, you know, it kind of, it's like it was shooting like, in the dark. If it works you know. and if it doesn't work, you yeah. know. Because you never know what it's the a response. Rented, it is a rented area. There was a lot of... Should we be doing this? Why are we doing this? You know, why are we spending money on this people who are not here illegally? Why are we taking money from the other branches for materials? That was the environment back then. That was the environment. You know, like I said, open thinking. We'll see how long this lasts. We we went out, our children's librarian then, who was um, Amy Olson. Basically, we were the first two hires. I hired her. She was the first staff member person that I hired, we both just walked the area talking to people. They'd made out little postcards and we would hand them out and we would tell people the library's coming, uh, went to the park, uh, went to the schools, uh, well, to the school. (laughs) We went to Cardinal Valley. Later on, we did a lot with James Lane Allen, but it was Cardinal Valley at the time. We didn't know what to expect. The doors opened, I believe it was a Sunday. And the crowds were incredible. I, I have no idea. How many staff was, did you open the, the branch with? We had with? five. Five. We had two full-time. No, three full-time. Four full-time. <laughs> and I believe one part-time. And a page. And the page was a UK worst Because <laughs> the UK paid them. <laughs> so were all the staff uh, Spanish-speaking? Yes. That was one of the things that I encouraged. Mm-hmm. I didn't... And also, we were open less hours than other people, than other branches. Um, We had a different schedule, and it was a little confusing. Even for Lexington Public Library staff was confusing. Uh, We opened at 11, and we closed at 8? No, I think 8. Yeah, 8. And we were closed on Fridays. So it was very confusing. Other people would send, you know, other library branch staff would send people to village 
for help. It turned out we were closed. We were Friday. Uh, it created a, a lot of issues. It created a lot of issues with um, courier run complaints. Our older, more white population in, in Cardinal Valley, in Gardenside, complained why we didn't open in the mornings because the morning people uh why was you know it's their neighborhood and why wasn't the library open in the mornings why were we closed on friday when it was the day that everybody went to save a lot <laughs> to buy groceries for the weekend uh why were we closed on friday yeah. when these are all things that are hard for librarians to kind of grasp dvds for the weekend and this is when we had had to pay a dollar. Yeah, yeah we yeah, yeah. Was horrible. <laughs> oh, the thank fines God. were horrible. Yeah. It's like thank God we got rid of that. I right? know. Oh, Sometimes the fine was more than the, 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 the DVD. The DVD was, I know. But they still wanted their DVDs on Friday. So yeah. So um, I don't know. I think when the branch was remodeled the second time around, and we added the the section that had been. That extension that I was so. what they called the beauty it. salon <laughs> and the pawn shop. The pawn shop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we went to full time hours. Yeah, because at the time it was just that one storefront. Oh yeah, it was, it was tiny. To, yeah. It was just yeah. yeah. There was no how do you, staff How was the collection built over there? Um, that's oh. my that's my wheelhouse right now. So oh. what? How did oh. you build the collection? Haphazardly. Haphazardly um, cobbled together. At the time. <laughs> at the time. It seems like a million years ago, honestly, but I forget the name. Uh, oh, see, it's, uh, there's some term, library term. I want to say it's OCLC, but I don't know if that is. Anyway, our acquisitions and collections person yeah. would order these package things. Mm -hmm. from Probably from our vendor. Like yes, the Spanish or, yeah. collection. Okay, mm -hmm. And with, that's what we would, I mean, before I came on, that's what they were doing. They were building the collection and ordering these Spanish collections. And basically, that's what we had. The Spanish collection was included academic titles, included a lot of titles from Spain, because that's where the majority of the books were being published at the time. There was not the Spanish like South American. Uh, right, right now, Latin America is very difficult uh, to buy books from there with local interest or on a, on a more popular reading level. Yeah. So our collection was very, it was pretty, it was white. I mean, not white. <laughs> it was new. It looked pretty. But our public, and, and that was another issue, our community was very low reading ability, if at all. We had a nice support from the larger Latino community, uh, Peruvians, Brazilians, uh, you know, educated Mexicans who had left Mexico. They were journalists or lawyers and they had to leave for persecution, all kinds of things. They read in a, a little more sophisticated level. But the majority of our everyday people who came in the door... It was DVDs. They had low, low literacy. Low literacy. Yeah, so yeah. it was DVDs. And their children, help my child, I'm going to go get DVDs. And that was really our bread and butter. Mm -hmm. 
So slowly, it was very hard because that collection that had been purchased was expensive. It wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Thankfully, things have changed in the publishing world. There's yes. a lot of imprints now that are coming from South America. So there's a lot of yes. infrastructure, you can say, in the collection development realm. So definitely things have changed, um, which is fantastic. And we were able to go in something that today we wouldn't be able to do. We went to the Guadalajara Book Fair in Mexico. Beck and I went. And uh, it's Becca Montaño-Smith. Rebecca Montaño-Smith. We were allowed to purchase uh, books. And, oh, we came back so excited because we came back with DVDs and popular things. And, of course, the bindings were terrible. Yeah. The majority was paperback. But it was really, you know, um, good to get our hands on some of these things. And um, uh, we were able to buy Inglés in Barreras. We didn't, um, these were huge sets of English learning materials that were advertised heavily on Univision and Telemundo, and everybody wanted them. And we were able to buy lots of these. The problem was there were many pieces to these things, <laughs> and often they came back without a piece. And um, yeah, so anyway, but you know, it was just learning what the community needed. Yeah, yeah. That it was all about opening those doors and just trying figuring it out. And the number one thing we found was, we opened on a Sunday, I believe, I'm pretty sure. And on Monday, people showed up about three o'clock with their kids. Yeah. Help my child to read. Yeah. My child is not reading well. I can't help my child because I don't know how to read. Mm -hmm. So very quickly, you guys turned into more services. It was like, oh, and I'm not going to say no. <laughs> so I would grab whoever was near me and say, can you sit down with this child? And But it grew to where we were all bringing in our family members to, to help. help. Volunteer. Um, then we reached out to UK, okay. we, um, and they would come. I remember there was a group from Calvary, Calvary Church, their youth group, and they volunteered, I think, two or three times That's a week. Yeah. And uh, it was really you know, funny because uh, between 3.30 and 6, we didn't have a lot of volunteers because people worked. And so we were like, it was mostly staff. And then when the cavalry people would come and go, here comes the cavalry, they're coming. <laughs> and it was, oh, it was like such a relief to see yeah. them. Yeah. And they were great college students. Um, they had such wonderful attitudes to develop rapport with the kids. So it was really, it, it really, I mean, the whole thing was it takes a village, it took a village. It really did. We yeah. had retired teachers come in. And then later on, as we progressed, we were very fortunate to get a grant uh, that allowed us to pay. Uh, we uh, coordinated with the Fayette County School System, and we paid. We, we were able to pay a coordinator. We were able to pay um, established teachers mm -hmm. oh, in I remember that. Cardinal Valley from, well, teachers through Fayette County, but they had to speak Spanish. And they would come four days a week. And it was amazing. You know, we had math teachers from the middle school come in and help the kids. We had certified teachers coming so in. So this is the predecessor of homework help. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it was, um, yeah. And, and then we started with snacks because these kids came in and they were running. First, they would ask staff. 
do you have any food? <laughs> Can we borrow a dollar? And then it was a running to, we, we got sick of seeing them go over to the Dollar Tree and save a lot and buy the orange. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah. orange fingers would come and touch our books. <laughs> it was horrible. So, so I think a church started bringing snacks first, and then it just evolved. And the same thing with our, our ESL classes. We were trying to we tried to get bluegrass literacy. They had a problem with volunteers and. They didn't show up, so we ended up partnering with Hunter Presbyterian Church. They were amazing. It would think everything was just trial so and error. So, yeah, a lot of community outreach and community partners helped you oh, develop the services. And, of course, the staff. So Yes. The staff was incredible. Yes. One of which is Jackie yes. Arakaki. Quickly, we, we, we um, grew. So Jackie was added. Raul Garces came from Northside to Village. Brian was added as a part-timer, but then quickly he became full-time. This was all right at the beginning. So Jackie, when did the you first start? Year. When did you I start? I started in 2006, in April 2006, as part-time staff. In December 2006, I became full-time, full-time staff. But I started as volunteer. Because I used to volunteer for homework help. And after that, you know, I apply for the part-time position. And after that, the full-time position. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what kind of services you were involved with. What kind of... I was, okay. We, I, I've been involved with the ESL. The people from Hunter Presbyterian Church, the people from my, the church where I congregate, attend. Jackie was the, the link yeah, to the church. To the church. <laughs> and uh, usually, you know, and at that time, I used to help with ESL, we coordinate with the GED classes, with most of the things the community, like us at that time, they used to show up to us and asking us, can you help me to apply for request a birth certificate? At that time, everything was just English only. You know, and it's when we start helping the people was not because we open offering the services, but was because the people start coming to us and can you help me to make a doctor appointment? So it was very demand driven, basically. It was very, very demand. Yeah. You know, twenty year, we're twenty years ahead now, and really many many places have Spanish people who speak Spanish. The hospitals have translators, uh, stores have. There was nothing. The schools had no employees that spoke Spanish. Yeah, exactly. So and we would go hard. and translate for parents. We It was it, it was cha very challenging. Yeah. Because every single staff at that time was very involved helping everybody, you know, and helping the teens. At that time, the teens, you know, we used to have programs with the teens. Yes, and there was a lot of gang invo invo involvement in the community at the time. Very large. Um, Mainly, these teens, uh, perhaps they came when they were young, eight, nine. Um, by the time they got to middle school, it was a problem. And they had no hope because why would they study? Why did they go to school? 
they were going to end up working in a horse farm just like their parents. Wasn't no DACA at that time? No. The DACA program, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival, something, that gave a whole generation hope and changed. We saw it literally kids coming in and and and, and working um, to get ahead, to learn. Um, and I think a lot of times this age group is kind of gets lost between the two worlds. So they come from, you know, this... The language is not there. Very, like, robust, vibrant culture. Yes. And then they we're also... Family. They, we're from, family. Oh, family-oriented. Family yeah. And then they go to school where they don't, they don't fit in anywhere. And it's hard to slot in anywhere. So they kind and of feel lost. And parents are working. Yes. Yeah. Often very long hours. Children are being fed by perhaps a neighbor or a distant relative that is coming home, uh, maybe when the kids get home from school. Uh, so, yeah, it was just... Yeah, uh, straddling the, two worlds is very yeah. difficult. You it can get difficult. knocked down very easily if you don't have, you know, that hope that mm -hmm. what yeah. DACA and, gave and they to didn't. these students. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. they didn't have. Yeah, in that time for that things, they now, you know, they are adults. Mm -hmm was very, very difficult, mm -hmm. difficult in, and, you know, in so many ways because most of them was involved in, in gangs. And that was kind of for us, like as they used to come in to the library, like as the group or gangs. You know? Their second home. <laughs> it was funny because here are these kids who are dealing drugs and threatening people. But when they came to the library, yeah, they were like kids. Yeah. They wanted to have a place. They, we knew them all by their, you know, by their names. And we knew yeah. who the parents were. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we knew all their street names. <laughs> um, you know, we had some uncomfortable moments and almost dangerous moments when there were rival yeah. uh, gang members. But nothing ever happened. They respected the branch. We never got egged. We never got graffitied. We never had a window broken. We never, I mean, it was just amazing. It, it became was a, their home. Yeah. It became a safe haven for and them, really. And because it helped yeah. their parents. Their parents could come and ask us, can you write a note to my, the teacher because my child had a fever last night? Because they can't write. Yeah. And we would write, dear Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> and and give it to them. Yeah. Um, made a doctor's appointment. Doctor's appointment. And the other thing was la, the, you know, computer lab at that time. Mm -hmm. Now, you know. Oh, and we well, never computer had enough computers. Was, was exactly because the internet at that time still be a luxury for some neighborhoods, you yeah. know. But at that time, in that area, people pra practically zero internet. Right. And people just to come into the library, you know. And they play games. Play That's games. all they wanted to do. And then games. we had people complaining, why are they playing games when we have important things to do? Yeah. You know, and it, it was just... We never had enough, and that's why it was funny as as uh, but even computer that is use equity, decreased right? across the, the the library system because people were getting cell phones, and mm -hmm. over there it, it, it increased yeah. because you but still even had the, no internet the at students, home. The kids that were playing on the computers that's that's part of the equity oh, that yes. the library but, provided. But, you know, other kids had that. it at home. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so how you know it was it was a a good leveling. Mm -hmm. No, it was and. 
leveling out between the I think the kids Jackie at school. had a big hand in this. I mm-hmm. don't know how many times people would bring in what would come and say my husband, my brother-in-law, my son was arrested oh, yeah. and we can't find them. Yeah, at that time, uh, not just me and Betty, but the staff at that time, we used to help people to find the families that was detained by immigration, by uses, you know, and we, nobody training us. But <laughs> you learn we, by fire. Yeah, <laughs> by we learn, we learn how yeah. to, yeah. they can deposit money in their account. In the jail, in yeah. they were in and jail. And how to send the package, yeah, we, the food we, package, Yeah, it was all, all that. We just, if if somebody came in, we try to help them. If we couldn't help them, we, we would find help. somebody I, that could help them. So, I mean, it became more than a library. It became a home. It became a lifeline for a lot of people. And the staff are are what provided that. Um, And And this is how the people recognize a village, you know. It's how the people, sometimes they are still showing up. And like us today, before I come in here, somebody was asking us for a request of birth certificate, the long version, you know, and all that things. And what was the, the 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 word that you couldn't remember the other day? At the at people had to do. Remember, you had to send it off to Mexico to get the, not the certification. There was another word. Apostilla. Apostillamiento. How do you say it? Apostilla. Apostille. 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 An apostille. Yeah. And this actually yeah. something that yeah. you get from the state, <laughs> but it has you have to have a long form birth certificate. And another thing that we ran into is how many birth certificates were wrong. Yeah. Wow. You, they would go apply for a passport or whatever they needed the birth oh, certificate yeah. for. And it turned out that often because of the last names, you know, we have multiple last names and often you keep the mother, well, you keep your, your mother's name becomes your middle name and you add your husband's, your father's name is at the end. Well, people either when they were processed, when they came through or the first time they entered school or whatever, they changed it because, you know, they're used to, no, that can't be your last name. So they, so birth certificates are wrong. Another thing is people were having babies, and again, there were no translators at that time. They either didn't ask when they would fill out the, because many of these people didn't write, so they had to ask what is the baby's name, the baby's father, whatever, and they just would put Mexican. Oh, wow. <laughs> well... A lot of people weren't born in Mexico. (laughs) So it's difficult to get a passport. Yeah. Because they needed that to get a Mexican passport or to get a Honduran passport or to get a Guatemalan passport. And they had the wrong places. It it was incredible. The father's place of birth, the mother's place of birth. They would put the wrong ones. The the last names were turned around. So we got very good at working with um, the state. In the health department. The health department, yeah. UK. And UK. They weren't yeah. too helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just, but it was learning we by learned doing it. By doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Village had completely shifted the way the entire library system was doing librarianship. You know, it, it, some branches, obviously, they have high circulation and it's all about the books and the programs, et cetera. Village became a very service-based library. What other services do what, were you guys able to provide and what other programs other than just translation services? Programs. At that time, we used to, for example, uh, between 
the cultural programs that I used to be in charge, for example, uh, one summer uh, between the library and Flaca, we taught the guitar program and the music. Jackie is the president of Flaca, by the way. <laughs> uh, and the music, you know, and theater too. And with the teenagers, I work specific that programs with teenagers. Yeah, and the guitar program was a boom because we started just in the summer, the two months of the summer. But the, was the, very successful with the, the phrase with the UK UK teachers. Uh-huh. And that we graduate students doing were the teaching. whole year, mm-hmm. the whole school year. Yeah, and at the end of the uh, workshop, the teens present do a presentation in the library theater. And they wanted to keep going. Uh, We had the same type of, um, a lot of it we had to partner because there was no way, for staff we didn't have the time, plus we didn't have the skills. Yeah, time and skills. (laughs) (laughs) So we also partnered with, it used to be AHU, Association for Hispanics United, Asociación de Hispanos Unidos, and they did leadership workshops at at our branch for for the youth. with Fayette Public, uh, Fayette County Public the, School. With the schools. With Linda Fraser. Yeah. Right? Uh, um, Fayette County Schools, finally, it took a long time for them to partner, but they finally partnered. Yeah. We would have a promotores program. Uh, we used to bring in people who trained people to be kind of the first responders in the community to teach neighbors families, how to um, be aware of symptoms of heart attacks, uh, what to do if your child has a fever, uh, what to do you suspect you have a um, uh, AIDS or some other sexually transmitted disease, all kinds of, there were different sessions, and they were very well attended. And then these people were trained. These were community people, mothers and neighbors and grandmothers uh, who came in for the training. And then they were able to, when their neighbor had a terrible headache, they would ask him, well, do you feel this? You would feel that? And then say, you need to go to the hospital. They had blood pressure, part of their part of their training. training. They At their graduation, there was 10 or 12 week classes. They, had, they would receive a blood pressure kit. They received uh, something, a stethoscope. Um, and so the CPR certificate. Like kind of first aid responders oh, in, okay. in their communities. So an apartment building had this woman, you know, that would say, oh, go check with her. She can tell you if your bone is broken. Well, I don't know if she could tell us if your bone is broken. But, you know, it, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. We did, oh my gosh, there was so many The GED classes the too. GED. We partnered with Scott We Cameron. could not find... All of that from this tiny space. Yeah. That's tiny what is amazing. Little space yeah. with minimal staff yeah. and a tiny budget. Yeah. Plus, we <laughs> the DVDs. It was like a nightmare. DVDs were a nightmare because they were never in, and they, that was the number one thing people lined up for. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the books didn't fly out as fast. <laughs> but that's okay. The children. <laughs> didn't get enough of books. And the thing that didn't reflect, and, and this is you know kind of a, a problem across the board in, in all libraries, is 
they spent time at the library. Yes. So they would read in the library. They would come and read the magazines or the books in the library or spend time with their children. They were afraid to take the books home because the books would get destroyed. Mm. There were too many people in their homes. The books might get lost. So that doesn't, you know, we used to have the sound that we did at the end of the month and you just kind of circulate. It, it couldn't really reflect because we couldn't keep up with it. Yeah. You know, we exaggerated we, we no longer sometimes. Really, so we, yeah, we no longer do that. We do count circulation, yeah. but there's other aspects yeah. of library use that we do count. So, And, that, that, that and was, Village yeah. was a very right, heavily used our, library. Our, our door count, proportionate to maybe the other branches, did not reflect the circulation. I mean, it, it was greater than our circulation, much greater than the circulation, mm-hmm. because most of it happened in the branch. Um, we had uh, Thanksgiving baskets, Thanksgiving Christmas baskets. baskets. The feeding program for the summer. For the uh, we started we start. the summer reading, the the feeding program. We partnered with Fayette County uh, Schools, and we were the first ones to so, provide hot lunches for children, uh, and families could come. Uh, later on, it was only children, yeah. but in the beginning, the, the, the family could come. Yeah, so it was just what. If you walked in the door and you had a problem, we go. We we didn't say we don't do that here. Exactly. It was let's okay. Let's see if we can help. Jackie, <laughs> Raul, can you see if so, who you know? Look at our list. Can somebody find a lawyer for these people? Uh, who can we refer to that can help them find a lawyer because their husbands in jail? Who you know? We didn't go be a lawyer, and we couldn't. But but you always sent that person with some direction. We didn't say we don't no. do that here. Whether it was for a while, we were allowed to do notary, uh, notarize. Yeah, I used to be one. Jackie was a notary. Big, Rebecca uh, was a notary because people were being ripped off, uh, particularly with cars, buying cars. Um, they would go to these places where they're being charged $250 to notarize. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a really serious problem. I mean, the county clerk talked to us and said, people are are being scammed. So yeah. we were able, we were allowed to. At that time, we were being allowed to do. Yeah, we were allowed notarize. to do a lot of things that not not in the normal yeah. scope. And we were fortunate in that. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it was there was a need for it. There was um, a need. So the village branch kind of operated in under different uh, policies and procedures in yes. the other and, and that created some <laughs> because others felt that the publics would sometimes go to Tate's Creek and say what well, a village they do that yeah so it was a problem I, I had to fight to be able to do a lot of things that that we did but in those ways, you set the standard because I, I'm now, very proud. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of things now are being done at the yes. branches that weren't yes. done before. Exactly. I think the number yeah. one thing that I am the happiest for is no fines. Yes, uh, <laughs> I argued about that. Oh, it was heartbreaking to charge children and parents when the priority for them was food. You yes, know? no pay fines. They never came back. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you finish to pay. Sometimes you finish to pay the fines. I would pay the fines. Sometimes my money. Yeah. Sometimes Betty was like, "Cause I'll be right back." (laughs) Okay. Pay from Betty, but just charge from my car. Okay. And at that 
people used to come to the library like us. My family don't have nothing to eat tonight. Mm -hmm. Zero food, no food, nothing. And very, I'll be right back. Save a lot. Yeah, bring a bag. Yeah. Um, the, the of course the library didn't know that. You know, <laughs> I didn't do that. Benny, after when I spent some time at Village, I, countless kids or they're no longer kids. Um, no, they're adults. Teenagers, college kids asking, "Is Miss Betty still mm -hmm. here?" I'm like, "No, she's retired." Yes. I'm like, yes. "Oh, Miss Betty's my godmother." Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm yes. Like, How many kids are you the godmother of, <laughs> Miss Betty? I love you. A lot. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Hmm. They, um, yeah, it was just we did. It was really a, kind of a survival kind of thing. They had to survive, and we had to survive. So it was, okay, it's a new day. We'll see what comes, you know. We, we befriended the local police. Yeah. <laughs> they would come by. It was just, we were there. We were in the right place for an area that really needed services. And, you know, now we have, I forget the name of the, the center, the church, uh, San, San Juan Diego. San Juan Diego. Diego. A lovely uh, Spanish monastery-looking building there. That wasn't there. There was no, nothing, nothing. 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 And now it's a vibrant community with restaurants mm -hmm. and stores. Mm -hmm. You know, Little more, Mexico. Little Mexico. <laughs> it's lovely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Mexington. That's yeah. what they used to call it, Mexington. <laughs> it's come a long way. It has. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it, come it's a long incredible. Way. It's twenty years seems like a short time, and yet it was. It's a a lifetime away. Yes, yes. And of course, I mean, I'm so glad that we finally got the ownership of that spot, and now we're oh. having this beautiful building. Um, hopefully, I mean. I mean, I, can you imagine what can come out of that building? Um, oh, amazing, amazing. And it's it, pride, mm -hmm. pride, yes, pride in I the area. I was area. talking even yes. a little while ago with about the gangs, how they were proud. The community was proud of, of having their place. And I think that's the number one. Often people would say, why, 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 why are you guys, you know, why you have this hole in the wall? You know, look at the other yeah. places. Why, you know, just because you, and this came from many People uh, in the community. Uh, 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 you know, long-time Lexingtonians who were among, you know, our many white uh, supporters. And, and they would say, it's not fair. It's not fair. And I'm going to go talk to somebody because it's not fair. And so it's amazing. It's, it's really amazing uh, how far I, for many, <laughs> I thought many times, you know, during budget problems, during changes in administration, oh, they're going to close us down. <laughs> oh, they're going to close us down. Yeah, we definitely. It would have been. It would have been a disaster. I think if they there did. There were a because, lot of yeah. people, and yeah. again, not the Latino community because they're silent. Mm -hmm. uh, the poor Latino community. There's some loud ones like us, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, the immediate community. But the support from the from the general community was immense definitely and i mean that was and it was apparent when we did the master facilities plan that was predominantly the number one topic that people were really adamant about happening is the development of a of a, an actual building in the area and it was serendipitous you know for the oh, for the a, it's amazing for now that you're going to drive lot. from the airport mm -hmm. and you're going to drive yeah. you know down Versailles Road and see this lovely building yes. it looks beautiful rather than I mean there's some of those little strips 
mall store is still there, but it's just lovely. They, they, I was so many meetings with the planning committee, how they fixed the sidewalks and all that is just, oh, it looks. Yeah. Yeah. When you change introduction to Lexington coming in from, from the airport. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you change the environment of, of of people's surroundings, hopefully it has a positive um, impact on on the community. Just so like, you know, the people um, of Village Branch had that positive. The buildings, uh, the the apartment buildings, were very badly maintained at that time. Yeah. Extremely, uh, horribly maintained. And I think I think that's improved a little bit. Yeah, I think some of the owners either are more responsible or they've been fined enough to feel they had to take care of some things. But yeah, the environment has a lot to do with oh, it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I mean, your impact and uh, Jackie and other staff's impact on the community has lasted a long time beyond the walls of that of that building. And I really wanted to document that in the history of Lexington. Um, and that's why I invited both of you guys here. And I really appreciate you guys coming and telling us the story of a village, the little library that could. And I'm really excited to see what they can what they can do with, with such a beautiful building and a bigger staff. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Betty. And thank you so much, Jackie, for, for coming on the podcast. Thank I you for inviting it. us. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Kentucky Room, a podcast brought to you by the Central Library's Kentucky Room staff at the Lexington Public Library. If you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you have any questions about local history or genealogy research, you can visit us in the Kentucky Room to use our collection and newspaper microfilm, or you can email us at elibrarian at lexpublib.org. That's elibrarian at lexpublib.org. I'm Miriam, and we'll be back with another trip down Lexington's memory lane.